Welcome to the Kim Rico Podcast, and today I have a special guest, Mr. Ty Weaver, Global Marketing Manager. Ty, hello. Hello, Ken. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little about, about yourself and where you're working right now and what you're doing. Sure. Um, right now, my current role, I'm the Global Head of Marketing Operations and Digital for a price reporting agency named Argus Media. So we do pricing in the commodities and energy space. Great, great. Yeah. So today I was thinking we'd talk a little bit about uh, marketing um, for different budgets and some of the free tools that we, we both use. Because we, we used to work together, so we've, we've used some, some of these tools before. Um, so some of them being like Buffer, MailChimp, If This Then That. Um, so a lot of these free tools are freemium. They're more or less are freemium tools, right? Because right. to get scale, they do offer you know, premium services to pay for you know, the free accounts. Um, but basically, I think now with all this coronavirus stuff going around, you know, budget's kind of getting chopped up. A lot of people are probably out of work, too. Maybe they want to leverage some of these tools to kind of help their, their job search. Sure. Um, so maybe we can talk about, about that and, and what yeah. you think. That's a good that's a good topic to talk about. And, you know, you and I have seen the other side of that, too, where we've offered kind of a free trial freemium version in our previous right. life with our, our experience working together um, when we were at Insperity. So uh, we can talk about both sides, the back end and the front end and, and then some additional resources for finding some of those freemium tools and then, you know, or tools that don't have that high cost or barrier to entry. Um, and then, you know, something that works well for folks when you need to scale up and then eventually move to enterprise and, and evolve into, you know, bigger tools for as you grow your business. So for me personally, I like MailChimp on the email marketing side, um, just because they give you, I think, about 2,000. Like you, you can have about 2,000 people on your list for free. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great tool. I've also used it for probably about five years. Um, you know, when we were working together, we used a you know enterprise level marketing automation. Have a local alumni group that I work with quite a bit, and I was looking to kind of mimic that same model that we had at our at our jobs for mm -hmm. this side project. That you know, it's not it's nothing that I'm going to you know make money at or anything like that. But I needed a central hub to manage a database and communicate with people effectively. And it was less than a thousand people, but it was more than five hundred. And Mailchimp at the time hit that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a great tool to kind of manage um, you know any of those personal things, or if you're a blog and you want to keep people engaged and coming back, it's it's a great tool, entry level tool. And then of course they have. Um, the capabilities to scale up from there. They're getting a little bit more rust into the robust into the enterprise level marketing automation. Right, and then it scales up with you know the automated emails and the APIs that they have integration. And you've set up some of those things. Can you talk about about that? Whereas, you know, if somebody starts out small and then you at you tack on like these automations that help you grow. Sure. So the first thing to do is kind of maybe not try too much at once, right? Um, you know kind of get some platform or strategy where you can scale up and then build um, and have continuous improvement as you continue to grow um, your communication engagement with your audience. Uh, I think a lot of people take the approach of let's automate everything and have everything tied together in systems, but you really kind of need to take the approach and see if first what you put out there, is it going to resonate? Does it get you the 
behaviors and actions you're looking for, and then think about the technology stack um, once you've created a good positive problem for you or your organization. So that's kind of my approach is let's put like a minimum viable product out there. Let's get the positive end behavior that we're looking for. And then once we do that, um, within that first, you know, 30 to 90 days, you want to collect some data so you can make right data and what your audience is telling you. Okay. Um, and then there's some other tools that integrate with a lot of other like so- social media tools and, and email clients and things like if this, then that. Yeah, that's a good one. Actually, we currently use that. Um, you know, uh, we have an RSS feed that we want to call in and then repost it to our social accounts. And, you know, we're in a position that being a global business, it runs on a news cycle that's 24 hours. So, um, you know, some of us have to sleep, right? And right. Um, we need that tool to kind of fill in for the areas when, you know, we can't be there. Um, but our editorial staff is constantly putting stories out in the marketplace. Uh, so it's kind of a holdover for when um, our, our major office hubs um, aren't available to post news stories. And there's a lot of competing products because you have like what Zapier. <laughs> Zapier. Zapier or Zapier? <laughs> Zapier? Yeah, it depends. I, I don't know. I don't actually, I've never spoken to a representative who works for the company and know the, the pronunciation of that product. But uh-huh. yeah, that's definitely another product. Um, there's Deliver It Too. Um, yep. that offers you know the same type of things. Um, obviously, you don't want to implement those tools um, for someone else's content. You know, I, I do want to be cautious and say that you know if you're if you're doing auto feeds and, and retweeting and stuff like that, make sure it's originating from a source that is you or or from your organization. Really, I've seen a lot of you know kind of weird practices of people retweeting things and you know i've tried it first in my early days and i was like something just doesn't feel right about right, this because you never know what's going to come out right and, and you know there's there's got to be some level of credibility and then some level of it being genuine too that it's coming from your organization or from you personally as well it's it's called social media for a reason right and can't really it's scale not, that not, it's not blast media yeah exactly um so maybe you could talk about, you know, as people start building up and they have larger budgets, you know, they can move up to things like CRM and like Eloqua, Marketo, yeah. Salesforce. Um, a couple, well, before we go on to that, a couple of resources that, you know, great for finding premium products or new products that hit the marketplace. A couple of sites to follow would be AppSumo, um, oh, you know, okay. subscribing to that. And they, they tend to partner with a lot of technology companies or marketing technology companies and you can usually try out their tools uh, not for free but at a discounted rate to really kind of take it for a test drive and one of the tools that we use um, that actually came from a promotion from that company was called lumen 5. lumen 5 allows you to take a um, article like a blog article or news story that we have in our our space um, upload it to this platform and then easily generate a video um, with with highlighted text and you know now you're creating video content in association with your uh, you know regular text content and then it mm-hmm. gives you that extra medium or multimedia thing facet that you know looks nice in the feed and scales pretty easily so like the post-production process is really easy and can get turned around quite quickly 
Um, and then the other one too that I follow quite a bit to find a lot of freemium products or just new products, um, just to be aware is ProductHunt.com. Uh, a lot of tech technology companies, um, you know, when they launch a new product, they put it out there. So a lot of the marketing technology tools come from those two sites. Um, those are kind of my my secret sauce or go to sites when I'm looking for something new, um, whether it's a freemium model or you know a very inexpensive um, piece of software that I can implement and, and get off the ground pretty quickly. Cool. So a lot of these paid tools, if you're sort of just like an individual person right now, do you think you can get a lot of the same results as like these scaled up expensive tools just by putting in the hours, like like the person hours? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you can get probably 80 to 90% there, right? And it's you know, man hours is, uh, you know, your time is a commodity you don't ever get back, right? And so if it's willing to pay $100 to get you there, for example, um, I remember grappling with a scenario where we needed an RSS feed for a podcast, yep. right? So either we invest in the dev work to develop our own RSS feed for the podcast, or do we look at a paid solution? Well, for our scenario where we didn't have a whole lot of development resources, that paid solution, um, you know, ended up being the best option, right? So we went with a service called Podbean and, you know, did some research, just mm -hmm. some Googling and, and found that, you know, with this, it'll create the RSS feed for you. And it tied into all of the major podcast uh, platforms, right? So not only were we able to get our RSS feed, we were able to deploy to seven different platforms and, you know, from, the product and going live with it it was less than a week so it's it's a scenario is if you have the man hours and you have the knowledge or you have the time for both you know building up your knowledge base and then you know doing the trial and error and figuring out yourself it's it's whatever your schedule and what suits your needs um, but if there's a solution or tool out there that can save you a boatload of time you know I, I, I would probably lean in the direction of, of finding that service um, you know if it's reasonable that you know, it's not, it's an annual cost that doesn't break you. Um, it'll probably save you a lot of time and headache in the future. Yeah. And there's tools, I think, out there like like Anchor and there's, you know, as far as, well, at least for podcasting specifically, I noticed there's some tools coming up now because it used to be really hard to get a podcast feed going, you know, for many, many years, you know, and now it's oh, yeah. like with so many podcasts coming up that people are kind of responding, you know, and building tools and you know, an easier way for like regular people to kind of get a podcast out, you know, because uh, even now, if you're using like WordPress, which is, you know, like the most popular, you know, website platform out there, it's still it's not easy for a regular person to kind of set it up. Yeah. And fortunately, with with something as flexible as WordPress, you know, finding that right plugin may even be easier. Um, my particular scenario, you know, we use a proprietary content management system. And sometimes that scenario is a little bit different where we're working with partners or agencies to do a lot of our development work. And, you know, you've just got to weigh the cost and 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 see what um, is, is easiest to go to market with that, you know, and, and still maintain a manageable budget and it doesn't skyrocket and get you know out of hand. So it's, it's whatever your situation is, um, you know, and, and you're to be honest, your marketing technology stack and what you're building your foundation on is the big factor in all of this. If you've got something that's, uh, you know, that doesn't integrate well, 
um, then, you know, if it, if it needs to integrate, then, then, you know, that's probably the most important key. If it does not, and you don't need a report on it or it doesn't need to tie into anything, then, you know, you've just got to weigh those options. Um, a lot of the decisions, you know, my approach is one, you know, does it fit in with our, our current marketing technology stack? How difficult is it going to be to deploy and implement? And then next is the implementation process, the training of the people who will be using the application. And then lastly, the hope is building the internal knowledge base and documenting your processes. So as people move on and up in the organization, you've got a good set of documentation for the next person to come in and hit the ground running and have some foundation and guidelines of um, you know, how, to, how to do things the way you, your organization has established. And I think one of the things that we found um, working with product software um, is replacing salespeople, right? But it was at certain product cost levels, right? Expensive right. products, you couldn't just do a sort of a sales automation or funnels. It just didn't work as well as, you know, talking to a person. You know, there was a certain price point where you know, automation was fine. People would, were okay with giving out a credit card as long as it was like under, I don't know, say $500 or something right. like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking at, you know, one is, do you have the ability to service those types of clients? And in this scenario, when we were working at Insperity, um, you know, we had a, an e-commerce platform that tied into our ERP that also tied into our products and our, our marketing automation platform. So everything was pretty heavily integrated. And then what really got interesting is when we first, you know, made that transition from desktop software applications to SaaS applications, uh, you know, we were kind of at the forefront. We were the first of our, we were the first division of our company to make that transition to go fully in on SaaS, um, and then you know, kind of spearhead uh, sweet Commerce at the time, and we were on NetSuite. Um, so I think we, we were like the sixth company to to implement uh, sweet Commerce. It was, oh, it was we kind of exciting. Six. Number wow. six, wow. yeah. Um, so, you know, we certainly got a lot of road rash in that experience, <laughs> uh, <laughs> be, being the, you know, the sixth company to ever implement that product and then um, kind of going along the lines. But I think, you know, it kind of comes back to that, you know, launching it, you know, we, we started with, um, you know, having our salespeople talk to those every individual that, that showed interest. But once we had an e-commerce platform and then we could do, um, you know, look at some more data. And eventually I think what we did too was um, we, buying perso personas and then looking at the type of individuals that buy a single license versus a multi-license. And was there any commonality that we could see in the data that would differentiate somebody who's probably potentially only going to buy one license of the product versus somebody who needs 20, 30, 40 licenses. You know, those types of scenarios have two totally different sales processes, right? One is very low touch, um, low transaction, high volume. And the other one is very much high touch, high cost, um, you know, on a, on a sales side. But in the end result, um, it, it's going to yield a lot more dividend when you close the deal. So. Uh, I think it was those data points that we were kind of looking at. And it was also when we implemented a firmographic engine where we, you know, could append data as it was coming in, we could see companies and, and their employee size, which gave us that extra layer of data to say, okay, 
rewrite these individuals to purchase their e-commerce solution. These companies are meeting the right profiles. They have the firmographic and, and you know, there's opportunity here that, you know, they should be talking to a sales rep because they're going to need a lot of handholding. They're going to need to consider the types of different licenses that they need in their, their functional uses of those licenses. So having those data points ahead of time really can decide which path you put your users on in their purchasing experience. Cool. So right now you're doing global marketing. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about what's different about when you're marketing globally and how, how these tools, you know, can help you or do they or does it not even matter when you're when you're it matters a lot less now than it has um especially now that we're in a situation where everyone's working remotely uh collaboration tools um have done a number of wonders and and global organizations stay connected and to get on the same page uh it you know some of the challenges uh you know working with people that are in a different time zone that's way ahead of you um you know f- for example if, if it's a 12 13 hour time zone difference somebody staying up late or getting up early um there's just you know if you need that face-to-face interaction where you have a video call with somebody you're going to be stuck in those scenarios um but at the same time you know the the, the key to um, you know, work globally is is have a long format strategy, a, a, like a product roadmap for everything you're doing, whether it's web development, marketing automation, content development. Start way in advance and give yourself plenty of runway, and then those processes processes are a lot easier. The other thing too then is looking at your technology and your tools and segmenting that data um, in a way that. You can deliver different messages for different marketplaces, but you're piggybacking on the same campaign. So rather than creating multiple assets in a marketing automation platform where you've got to have an email that's separate for each different region, start looking at it if setting up your database that's segmented appropriately that you run one campaign, but you're serving up just slightly different content to those different regions. Um, and then what that does is allow you to run one campaign. It gives you consistent metrics, and then um, reporting and, and analysis becomes a lot easier. Right, and that's really important, sort of simplifying the the analytics part of it, right? Because if you have so many different, you know, key metrics and you know data points, it's just everything gets kind of blurry. And right. Decisions, right? Right, right. Remember our product manager? He's like, yeah, this is great, but at some point you're going to have paralysis by analysis. Yeah. That was his favorite saying, paralysis <laughs> by analysis. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pretty much paralyzed by the amount of analysis that we have to do kind of on a daily, weekly basis. And it's managing the expectations, right? And, you know, if, if you're pulling data, it's got to be actionable data. Don't don't pull it for just the sake of pulling it. And, and you know, having those tough conversations with your colleagues and individuals and your key stakeholders of, of what's an important metric that you can make an intelligent business decision off of versus something that could be just simply a vanity metric. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you can really go down a rabbit hole by the the number of requests and data because you can pretty much with these platforms, anything that's cookied, right, you Mm -hmm. can report on anything under the sun of every behavior uh, that's imaginable for that person and then across different channels too as well. So with all this coronavirus going around, do you see anything changing? marketing wise or 
do you feel like everything has kind of been set up and established already as far as the technology and and really nothing's different uh i would say probably the latter right i i feel like we you know especially in digital marketing and marketing operations, we were very well prepared because we invested in tools that allows you to work wherever, right? So a lot of these- And the computer never turns off. The computer never turns off. They're always available. And if the computer crashes, hey, what? Guess what? You're working in a SaaS application. You just get a new computer and you start where you left off. Right. And we actually used to joke with the salespeople at our company that, you know, the computers would, you know, sometimes outperform them or, you know, just never- Never went to bed, you know. And yeah, the e-commerce, it doesn't take a nap. It doesn't take a nap. It doesn't, it doesn't no. have to take a lunch break. <laughs> yeah. Never gives you attitude. Never gives you attitude. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what you're going to get, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right, so Ty, how can, how can people reach you? Yeah, you know, uh, my, my favorite social media platform is LinkedIn, um, you know, Obviously, everyone's got a multitude of, of um, applications and, and their preference for social media. So LinkedIn's by far my best presence. And then a personal website that it's more more or less like a portfolio website. So tyweaver.me, uh, if you want to check that out. And, and you know, I've got uh, I've got some ideas of where we go in the future, some, some different website ideas. And maybe maybe I could utilize your help again down the road for the next episode. I'm available. Here we go. So, all right, Ty. Well, thanks for stopping by and we'll chat again. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ken.